the truth is, is, is we all have experiences of some sort and we go through them, I believe, for a very specific reason. What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and the guests. Today's guest is a brother by the name of Blake Stinnett. He's the founder of Next Rung. He's a firefighter out in Georgia. And he came into the fire service by way of Christian ministry, an unusual pathway by most standards. He's a wonderful dude, a great guest, and I hope you enjoy. Blake, hey man, I am super uh, grateful for the opportunity to sit down and wrap with you. And I want to talk about Next Rung, and I want to talk about uh, some of the things that you're doing right now uh, with that organization. But, uh, but before we dig into that, I want to talk a little bit about who is Blake Stinnett. So that's, yeah, a, man. Well, that's a deep question, but I'll throw it out at you right away. <laughs> no, man, that's a great question. And I appreciate you having myself and um, the ability and opportunity rather to talk about next strong. So thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, man, as far as me, um, man, where do I start? I'm 31 years old. I um been married for 10 years to my beautiful wife have two kids strong work uh, so far that's good <laughs> yeah <laughs> my daughter's eight my son is five and man both of them are in school my son just started this year in kindergarten uh, a little bit different obviously with everything going on as far as the covid and yeah just the social distancing and distance learning it's uh it's different but needless to say man we're plugging along um my wife's also in nursing school. She's got this semester and one more, so she'll be done in May, and then she'll be into her, her nursing career, and she's super excited about that. Yeah, We're so, both excited just to, you so know. So you guys don't got hardly anything going on right now. <laughs> Absolutely nothing <laughs> whatsoever. It's, it's not busy around our house at all. Oh, my um, goodness. But, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a firefighter paramedic in sandy Springs, so we are really we're fulton county so you have atlanta which is you know everybody knows where atlanta is yeah. or has heard of hot atlanta so yeah. that's where we are man we are neighbors to atlanta and we actually will run mutual aid uh with them uh so that big apartment fire that they had the other day we sent down some rigs and they helped out with that and um yeah man it's, it's a smaller city department um got five stations we are rebuilding one of our stations right now they potentially want to add on one more station for a total of six and who knows where it goes from there but yeah, uh, i've been there for three years i uh, didn't start there i started with gwinnett county um so that's where i went through rookie school got my medic and was there for a few years as well i started there in 2015 and uh just, uh, you know, for myself, I didn't love the transport life. I didn't like being on a ambulance seven out of 10 shifts. It uh, got kind of old not seeing a fire truck. So I, uh, man, I, I had to make a decision on where I wanted to go. And so I headed over to Sandy Springs and had been there, like I said, for three years, a little over three years now. And it's been a blast, man. I love it. Um, I'm on our, our squad there. So, uh, you know, cancel the squad, man. Um, but anyway, <laughs> well, so, shout uh, out to them, actually, shout out to them yeah, boys. Exactly. Ours is kind of designed after the FDNY squad. So it's actually an engine. So it's got a pump on it. We, uh, fight first new fires and we'll pump those. And then any other fire where we're second deer or further out, then we just kind of pick up what needs to be done. So truck work or roof or, you know, rip 
fast team, whatever you guys yeah. call it. Do, you, do, uh, do your guys' squads do specialty work like uh, TRT or hazmat or anything like that? Yeah, so we do the TRT. Um, so we all have our all of our rope stuff, man. We're all rope techs. Uh, we also are swift water techs. And then we do um, any extrication or rollovers. So we have all the struts and things like that to stabilize. And it's a blast, man. Um, we're working on uh, con space stuff right now. So trying to get all that stuff together and make sure we are kind of suited for everything that, uh, you know, might arise in our city. It's uh, it's a newer city, man. So they split up everything back in around 2006, I think, 2007. And, and I mean, it's just building up. Everything is, is going up. Everything's at least a mid-rise or higher. They kind of mm-hmm. knock down all the one-story stuff and they keep building up. So it's, it's a lot of fun, man. A lot so- of potential for some incredible um calls in the future i believe yeah is it is your community kind of landlocked is that why they're going upward i'm guessing yep everything is landlocked man um towards the north side of the city it gets a little more i I mean i wouldn't even say rural it's just uh, a little more spread out you know uh where all the residents are uh and there are residents obviously obviously throughout the entire city but it's more the older homes back up on the north side some 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 of the older homes older businesses apartments and things like that so um that side tends to burn a little bit more we do have some apartments older apartments in the middle of the city over near our territory those burn pretty decently as well so um yeah you know as long as we keep getting to fight some fire i'm excited <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because it's squad. Well, not funny. It, it's it's an interesting uh, dichotomy in the utilization from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. The way squads are utilized, right? They yeah. all have slightly different mission, and and I had never heard of a squad with a pump on it. That's uh, yeah. My guys out here would love cool. to hear that. <laughs> oh yeah, man! It's, it's it really is the best of every you know. I guess it's time because I mean, you can literally do any and everything that we need to do it. So uh, I enjoy that. Yeah. I love being able to, you know, pull some hose if I can and, and put fire out, but I like, I like all the other stuff too. So yeah. it's uh, it really is a fun apparatus to be on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's neat to be able to, to have that opportunity to do that wide variety of work. Right. And, you know, there's never a shortage of things to train on. And I think about that in terms of our job as it is, there's always a skill set that you need to be working on. And regardless of right. what apparatus you're on, you should be training on something, right? And and when you look at That's these it. heavy rescues or squads or what have you, uh the 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 work that needs to be done to stay uh relevant and to stay concurrent with your skill set is tremendous. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous load yeah. to, to maintain. But Yeah. So hey, so did you grow up in Georgia? Yeah, so I grew up in Georgia. I'm born and raised in Georgia. I was thinking California um, with that accent, but I could. Oh yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, our co-director Charlie Brown is actually out of California, so uh, oh right, I right. definitely have some love for the West Coast. Um, <laughs> but no, man, born and raised in Georgia. Obviously, you can tell with my accent. Um, but yeah, man, I kind of spent my whole life here. Love, love living here. It's, it's always fun to go and visit other places and, and then come back home because there's nothing like home. And, yeah. um, but yeah, born and raised in Georgia. Um, yeah, like I said, man, I spent, spent my whole life here and I volunteered for a couple of years when I was growing up, man, that's, 
kind of how it is in the county that I lived in for the longest time. And my yeah. dad was a volunteer firefighter as well. And um, when when we lived here growing up, obviously there was, I say obviously, there was no paid um, firemen. So everything was strictly volunteer. Um, I, I believe when I was going into middle school or high school is when they built the first full-time station. And my dad had the opportunity to do it. It just didn't pay enough, so he yeah. couldn't accept the, the position. But uh, what, what I remember part that. Of, uh, what, part well. of, what part of Georgia? Sorry, I mean, yeah, what part of Georgia did you grow up in? Yeah, so I live east of Atlanta, going back towards Augusta. If you're familiar with golf or anything like that, man, they have mm-hmm. the the Augusta National Golf down there. Man, it's, it's a huge place. And uh, But, yeah, just east on I-20. So going away from Alabama back towards the other side of Atlanta and Covington, Georgia as well. Oh, cool. It's uh, yeah. I've only I've only been down through that way a couple of times. I've never spent much time, but it sure is pretty down there. And, yeah, uh, it's nice. We we got a little bit of everything. Yeah. You have the mountains, and then you have the coast when you get a little further down, obviously, and towards Florida and things like that. So kind of you know kind of do what you want to around here. Got some beautiful lakes and. It's, it really is. It's a nice place to live. I used to, when I was younger, I always wanted to move away. You know, I don't know if that's kind of everybody's mentality right. when they're young. I just want to get away from here, but absolutely. <laughs> I, I love, I love living here. So no, it's, man. It's a good place well, I would, I would think, well, so I gotta be real careful here because I, um, I came, uh, I had a nice long conversation with Dakota. Uh, one of your partners uh-huh. at Next Rung. And um, yeah. I can't remember what episode it, but we did a podcast together and I was busting her chops. Cause I'm like, Hey, I went through Texas and, it wasn't all that. <laughs> yeah. So I got to be awesome. I got to be careful when I'm talking with folks. It was funny. I, I laughed pretty hard at that, man. That was good. No, but was... but I'll twist the knife a little bit because going through going through Georgia is super pretty. <laughs> yeah, the mountains are beautiful. Yeah, uh, I love the mountains, and it's it's always fun to go up there, take the kids up, and see. Yeah the leaves changing and stuff like that it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun it's not too far it's about the mountains are about two hours from us so it's an nice. easy day trip and the coast is about do three get, and a half or four hours do you guys get snow up there occasionally where we are where i live it happens you know every maybe every couple of years oh, okay. you know maybe three years to where it snows real heavy um north georgia sees it every year Especially up north, uh, towards Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, right there, they see snow um, pretty much every year. Okay, that's cool. It's yeah. neat. It's neat that it. You know, that's what I love about Arizona is that you can, a couple hours you're in the mountains, you know, a few hours you're mm-hmm. at the ocean. Like it's all within striking distance, which is great. Yeah. And then nine months out of the year here, it's beautiful, right? The, uh, the yeah. weather, the weather is sunshine. There's always sunshine, but the sunshine's tolerable yeah. nine months out of the year. There's a few months where it's freaking miserable. Um, it's always, it's always nice in Georgia. Summer is, is pretty, uh, humid. And yeah. It's just, you know, it's not very fun. It's not, I wish it were a dry heat be a lot better, but yeah. the, uh, the fall and spring are, are beautiful. So I guess it makes support there. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like there's no perfect spot. Like there's these great places they have yeah. all kinds of great things, but there's you know there's always that one time of year where mosquitoes are coming in or it's super humid or it's really hot, yeah. whatever. There's always something, but you know, which I think is when you're a kid is why you want to drive, why you want to move away. You're like, oh, I'm sick of this yeah. place. I got to try some. There's got to be a better place, right? <laughs> the grass is always right. greener. There's got to be something else I could go do, uh, or go some other place I could go be. 
But um, yeah. But, hey, so I, I was uh, I was reading your bio, and there's something I wanted to talk to you about. So you before you got into the fire service, um, mm-hmm. you worked in the ministry. And I did, yeah. And I want to hear a little bit about that because it's a that is an unusual trajectory, if you will, right into the fire yeah. service. And, Absolutely, um, it is. I think yeah, it, it's it a obviously backwards, I guess. <laughs> well, I'll say it, it, it obviously informs a little bit of your your thoughts and ideas about service, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So tell me a little bit about how you ended up in the ministry. What did you do? Like, what was that pathway like? And then how did that lead you into the fire service? Yeah, so coming out of high school, I really had a desire to go to the fire service. Uh, I thought it would be a great career and really just had that drive and desire to do it, but also felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry, you know, that he was saying, hey, you know, I want you to go and work in full-time ministry and do this. So obviously I felt like I should listen to that and, and do what God was asking me. So when I graduated, I went and got an undergrad in psychology, and then I have a master's in theological studies. And I worked in ministry full-time for eight years. I worked with uh, elementary-age kids. I worked with students. I still work with the students at our church uh, part-time and, and love doing that. So it always will be a part of my life. But during my time in ministry, two different times, I really got that desire to be in the fire service. Like I said, I grew up around it my whole life for the most part until I got in high school and my dad uh, wasn't able to volunteer anymore. And and I volunteered for a couple of years. So uh, it was always a part of my life and something that I really desired to do and loved being around. I mean, I remember jumping on and off the rigs as a kid, you know, running around the fire station and, and just enjoying that aspect of it. But as I grew up, I also wanted to serve, you know, the community, uh, whatever community it would be that I was going to serve in. And um, so twice, two different times, I got that desire, like, man, like, why? Why do I keep feeling this way? And, and I finally, the second time I figured and really thought to myself, if you don't do this, you're going to question yourself for the rest of your life. Right. And so that was when I decided to applied to some fire departments, just figure out, try to get picked up wherever I could, got picked up with Gwinnett County. And that was back in 2015. So uh, really a big reason behind that is even when I was in ministry, like I said, I had the desire to be in the fire service, but I had the desire to really impact firemen um, and and just be there for them. But I, I knew it was one of those things that I couldn't do unless I fully understood the job and I was living in it with them and was able to connect in that way. So that was another big push for that. And, um, you know, just really thought that that was what I needed to do so that I could make the connection more personal. So in 2015 is when I started in the fire service full time and spent a uh, little over two years at Gwinnett County, like I was saying earlier, and made my way over to Sandy Springs, which is where I'm currently at. Um, But when I was at Gwinnett County in 2017 is when the idea of Next Run came about. Um, And and it was due to really my idea. I wanted to serve and give back to the people that I worked around. But also um, in 2016, there was a guy – um, and I hadn't been out of rookie school too long. Um, and he had been someone who came out of the field. He was an adjunct instructor, really, you know, just there a lot on his days off teaching us and, 
things like that. And he actually ended up taking his life and it just really was a, a big impact. And, and so, um, his name was Sam Garrison and he took his life and it just really impacted me in a way of, you know, you look at people and you think, you know, um, based on, on how they are, uh, on their outward appearance, I guess how they feel, which is not always true, obviously. I mean, Sam yeah. was someone who was laughing all the time, cutting up, always smiling, and, and just a great guy all around, and not someone that you would think uh, you would hear that news about. Yeah. But I remember it just struck me pretty hard. I, I was working the day that, you know, everyone found out, and it just was, uh, man, it just kind of pierced my heart a little bit, and really the Lord just kind of put that idea in my head, like, you got to start making a difference, and, and 2017 was also really the kind of the year where they made suicides in the fire service a, a big deal, and, and when I say a big deal, they outnumbered the line of duty deaths, and, right. and it was talked about a lot, and so that was also just kind of in the back of my mind as well, and really just trying to figure out, you know, what, what is it that I can do? And, and, and really I set out to make a difference in the people that I work with and really firefighters as a whole, first responders as a whole across, you know, the United States. I didn't know what that was going to look like, um, up until that point, but yeah, in 2017 is when, when, the really the journey of next run started. And originally the goal was to, raise money off of the apparel that we sell and give back to a nonprofit that was doing what we are doing now. And I couldn't really find anything that I was super excited about that I felt was worthy of, you know, donating back to and about six months into all of that. Um, that's when Charlie and I had met and we kind of were talking about the idea. I was like, Hey man, I can't do this by myself. I, I need some help and just kind of some direction on, on where we want to go and, and take this thing. So he jumped on board and that's when we decided that we really wanted to tackle the mental health issues that um, firefighters and first responders face. And so by the end of 2017, we filed for all of our paperwork and we, I think they sent the letter out on December like 28th of 2017, but it arrived right after the new year in 2018. And we got all the paperwork in. We were a 501c3. We got our tax exempt status and we are now a nonprofit. So we were trying to figure out, all right, so where do we take this thing? You know, what are, how are we going to tackle this issue? Right. And, um, so we sat down and we threw around some ideas and one of those ideas was to offer a helpline that people could call or they could text and they could get in contact with someone who could either talk with them and offer that peer support and work through their issues in that way. Or if it was beyond what we could handle through peer support, then helping them find counselors, um, where they live and, and making sure that they are you know, going to, to meet with a counselor that understands kind of what they are facing at that moment. And so we, we see a variety of different issues. There's, um, you know, the traumatic calls that we run, there's the everyday life that we face. So, you know, marital issues, drinking problems, financial issues. Um, I mean, lack of sleep. I mean, you can name it. There are so many different things, but I would say a majority of what we see are marital issues, drinking issues, 
financial issues and then, you know, just the, the lack of sleep that we all face, um, especially as first responders, as firemen who are, who are waking up throughout the night and, man, you know, it just, you know, sleep deprivation as a whole can kind of make life kind of hard to maneuver through at times. But I would say those are really the, the biggest issues that we face um, and that we see often. So it's not just the calls that we run. It's not just the, you know, the, the bad accidents that we see, but typically probably eight to nine times out of 10, it's a mixture of the, the life that we live at home mixed in with the life that we live back at the fire station. And, and I mean, every day is different for us, obviously, but there are so many things that we see that we deal with and, and you know, ultimately it's going to impact your, your mental well being at some point. And, um, at times there becomes that perfect storm of, man, there's a lot of stress at work, um, you know, either from your officers or from, you know, the higher ups or just because of the job naturally. And then you run a traumatic call and then you have issues going on at home. And then it just kind of creates this concoction of what we call the perfect storm. And, you know, something happens to us, um, yeah. you know, it, it just kind of, you know, something clicks in our head and, and we're not quite the same as what we normally are. And, uh, you know, so that's when we want to be there to help. And, and we try to be there to help right there at the beginning um, when people are kind of feeling like, I'm not sure what's going on in life right now. I just know that it's not what I normally feel like. And that's when we want people to reach out before it gets to the, you know, the the more complicated aspect of it when they get further down the line of, well, if, if I don't talk to someone right now or someone doesn't help me right now. I'm going to take my life. So our goal is to kind of get there before they get to that mentality. However, we see people, you know, right there at the beginning, we see people right there at the end and and everywhere in between. So, but that was really the whole idea was to offer the peer support. Um, We have a a whole group now uh, of people who help us with our peer support. So people call our number or they text the word support and we get a representative, one of our next rung peer support providers over to them we start talking and carrying on that conversation with them and working through the issues that they face. And some people come in with, you know, the idea of, I just want to talk to someone who gets it like, you know, like I do, who lives the the lifestyle that I live and works the job that I work because they're going to understand it more than anyone. So peer support works, um, you know, really well. It's, It's got a really good success rate for us. But there are also times where we know it's beyond what we can handle. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes the, the firefighter or the first responder comes in looking specifically, hey, I need a counselor in my area. You know, I've been dealing with this stuff for a while. Nothing else has really seemed to, to work. Can you help me find a counselor? And we, we do that as well. So we find a counselor in their area. We call that counselor, we talk with them, let them know who we are, and that we have someone in the area that's looking to to find a counselor and so let if me, we think that it's a good fit, we will line them up with that counselor. So let me ask you this. How do you guys, well, that's, that's the question is how do you identify folks that are um, in this network or who are aligned with what we're doing with, with the, who understand the fire service or who understand that clientele or is it, Hey, we're looking for somebody who's just in the area locally close yeah. by whatever. How do you, what is your net? What does that network look like? Yeah, so we typically, typically, like I said, when, when people are calling in, um, 
we try to relate it to the issue that they're dealing with specifically. Um, and so when we call those counselors, typically we're calling three or four different counselors to see if they have worked with either first responders or military or, you know, something of the sort, you know, because a lot of times there's always going to be trauma mixed in with it, no matter sure. how we, how we, you know, package it and wrap it and, and try to make it look pretty. I mean, there's things that we've seen on our job that, impact us and sometimes we don't see it right away but somewhere deep down in there man a lot of times that that comes out as well so uh again you know we try to and, and we we just try to ask them hey have you ever worked with first responders before have you worked with firemen or police officers or paramedics or, or you know something like that and um so far i mean i think there's my might have been like maybe two or three counselors that we've called who have not worked with either first responders or military veterans mm-hmm. and so i kind of lump those into the same category because yeah. the trauma is trauma no matter what you know no matter how you you look at it and so whether it's you know as a veteran where you've been overseas and you've been in war or uh, if you're over here on, on this side, man, your body processes it all the same. So uh, if they've worked with veterans before, then we accept that as well. And, and that's always been super helpful. Um, but yeah, I mean, find someone who has worked with either veterans or first responders before. And typically when we call them, they're like, yeah, we're actually already working with, you know, a couple of firefighters already. And so it just, you know, gives us uh, some comfort there, some hope, and uh, allows us to go back to the person that we're helping out and say, hey, you know, they're working they're working with firefighters already, so this is going to be a perfect match. Or, hey, they've worked with veterans before, so, uh, you know, I think that'll line up well. And um, So that's kind of how that works. We, yeah. you know, we try, we try to, without, um, you know, without trying to go somewhere else, we, we try to find someone who has worked with first responders. Again, it's only happened a few times where we couldn't find someone in the area, but even then, uh, they were able to connect well with the people that we sent their way, and, and we had really good results from it. So, um, so far, man, it, it's worked out really well. Oh, that's but, great. What? Yeah. How do you guys? So, where? I'm assuming you have like a one eight hundred number or something like that, and then whoever's available is you know, kind of on call kind of thing or something like that so that you have something yeah. available or how does that work? Yeah, we have a, it's one eight three three six nine eight seven eight six four. 698 7864 So it ends up being one eight three three nxtrung So try, you know, try to try to keep it there the next wrong idea and, and make it easy for people to remember. Yeah. Uh, but we have a group of peer support providers. Uh, that group continues to grow. Um, really as we are growing as an organization um i mean we continue to help so many people that we try to grow that as quickly as we need to or as often as we need to so we're always looking for for more people who line up with our our core values and would you know be a good fit to help out with that stuff and we try to handpick all of our people yeah so how do you select and how do you train your uh call takers or peer support team members? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, everyone that we have at this point, we've handpicked. So we either will watch people on social media or they are people that we know personally, 
or they have been with us since the beginning, uh, people who have reached out or have been supporters and things like that, because you know, we, we want people who are going to be invested and interested in doing that. And up to this point, uh, a majority of the people who have been helping us uh, had already had classes in the past and had gone to, to get peer support, uh, education, as far as going to trainings and things like that. Um, but if they don't have that and we still think that they would be a good candidate you know, to be a part of our team, then we'll send them to get the training and we will pay for that for them. So they're not having to worry about trying to pay for that because, you know, it's it's hard to find good help, you know, at, at times. And there are so many people who are willing to to be there and to help out. But when it comes back down to it, we, we want people who really are going to be invested people that – we've had conversations with before who have shown that interest. And I mean, we get emails and text messages and uh, social media messages all the time of people who are interested, but <clears throat> if we can, we try to, we try to pick people who we've had some sort of interaction with or who have shown interest in that or posted things like, you know, they're helping their department or whatever it may be. So the, right. I, there's a, you know, several different avenues of how we find people. Yeah. Well, it's, um, real, it's, really, out, it's real easy to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm in, put me in. That sounds great. But when right. push comes to shove and it, the, 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 you know, you need that person to be really available and to be truly vested. Um, what I love right. about the peer support idea, um, particularly, uh, in this, you know, the next rung, it's it's disconnected from my organization. If I'm having trouble and I want to make a call, I think sometimes there's this sense of uh, hesitance to call because I, I might bring, you know, I might be calling in an airstrike on myself. And so mm -hmm. having a, a an agency that's disconnected from my workplace allows me right. to activate some support without it being somebody who I know potentially. Yeah, and that was a big, big reason in doing what we did and starting Next Rung as a whole is because so many people, like you said, that they don't, they don't feel comfortable reaching back into their organization for one reason or the other. Sure. And I mean, it could be a variety of different reasons. Either, I mean, I've seen it to where people don't, don't like a person that serves on that team because they had, you know, an altercation with them on the job. So sure. then they, it completely disqualifies the whole team. Like, well, I'm not going to go talk to them. I don't, I don't like that guy. And, and I know it sounds silly, but you also know in the fire service that, I mean, that's kind of the way that it is sometimes, you know, like, oh, I don't like that guy and they don't talk for the next, you know, 15 or 20 years and it's all silliness, you know, and we yeah. just try to get things figured out. But because of that, they won't go and speak with that team. They're not going to speak with that person, obviously, or, or anyone else. Yeah. Um, but it comes back down to, of you know, the fact of, well, I work with these people. I don't want them knowing what I go through because yeah. um, I'm scared that it might get back. And, you know, we've had those situations as well yeah. where it's supposed to be completely anonymous and no one in the department is supposed to know about it. But somehow, some way, it, it happens. And yeah. so they've been burned by that. Um, well, let's be so honest. Yeah, Can we be honest here for a second? Firemen yeah. love to talk smack. And, oh, yeah, and, absolutely. and some, some of my firemen are, are, that I've met in my career are the biggest gossips I've ever met. And, um, yeah. and Hey man, that's part of that is they want to be involved with other people's lives. Part of it, they just want to know. And then the, the other mm -hmm. piece of this, and maybe this might be a stretch, but I'm gonna throw it out there anyway. When you work in a high risk environment, you need to have trust with your compatriots. Right. And so mm -hmm. how there can be a time when that trust, if this, if you're concerned that this person might be uh, not fully 
aware, not fully prepared and capable emotionally, mentally, physically, etc. Suddenly that trust is beginning to get eroded away. Sure. And so I think, I, I think, and that part of that is, Hey man, I don't want to tell the guys that I'm going through something because now they're not going to trust me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or yeah. Hey, did you hear the one about Johnny? Because boy, Johnny's lost his, lost his marbles and he's going through something. And that's, and that's, you know, it goes both ways. Right. And when that gets out in an organization, like, Hey man, Johnny might be fully capable, but he's going through some stuff as we might all. And this is something that Mm -hmm. I think we over, over the last probably 20, 30 years, we've seen the the fire service evolve and get better about mental health and recognizing that it is not, uh, it's okay to be vulnerable with one another and to get better, get healthier. You know, if a guy breaks his ankle, what do we do? You know, we go to the hospital, we, Hey, you got a cast on that thing. And then we, we bring him back into the fold. But if so, yeah. And, and that's a great point too. And when of when one of your own guys is at the hospital, I mean, guess who's there? I mean, everybody shows up, right? They don't yeah. just leave him at the hospital by himself. I mean, everyone is there to support him and to take care of him. And yeah. and that's the the whole thing is I wish, and we're getting there. It's just a slow, <laughs> slow pace that we're getting yeah. there. Yeah. But I, I wish that's how it were with our, our mental health as well, because we have to take care of ourselves. If there's something going on, then we need to get it figured out so that we can make uh, progress and get through whatever it is that we are, are going through and facing at that moment. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're all going through stuff. We're all human. We all have stressors in our life. And sometimes we're just really good at hiding them. And sometimes, man, Again, you know, when it creates that perfect storm, then it, it just, man, it happens, at, you know, really all of a sudden. Yeah. And we get that so many times that people like, man, I, I was doing great. And then everything kind of slowed down. And, and man, like I'm having all this stuff that's just coming to my mind and, and I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, you know, so many different ways that it's brought on and so many different um, contributing factors to it. But, Nonetheless, man, we're we're all human, and we should all, you know, definitely understand that we should be there for each other, and that this is this is no different than anything else that we're going through, man. Right. You know, when when your crew, someone on your crew is having a baby, or you know, someone in their family gets sick, you know, everybody's chipping in, everybody's helping out, or if someone gets cancer, you know, everybody's chipping in to help out to make sure that they're taken care of, and. And I view this the same way, you know, that we should all be chipping in to take care of them. Hey, man, if you need something, let me know. And and really, that's what it boils back down to is, you know, the people inside of your station, you know, whoever you are in your station. It doesn't matter if you're an officer or a driver or if you're, you know, tail board or if you're the senior firefighter, then we all have that opportunity at some point during the day to say, hey, I just want to check on you and just make sure that you're okay. And it's. It's not just saying, hey, are you okay, and expecting or hoping the answer is like, yeah, I'm good, but literally, in, like, I guess in detail, asking, hey, are you okay? Like, I really want to know about your life. I want to yeah. just know, you know, if there's anything I can do for you, and I think that would do a lot, but so many people are, especially now, it's, it's a lot different, um, I feel like, than, than it has been in the past, but people are more disconnected from each other and more connected yeah. to their devices, their phones, their social media, all these different things. And those are the things that consume them. But 
man, I just, you know, if we can be that way in the station, like, yeah. Hey, I'm here for you. And I'm, uh, you know, if you need to talk about it, then, you know, I'm always available, but you know, we have to also remember to ask that question because you can tell someone that you're here for them and they're going to forget that, or they're going to be like, oh, I don't really want to bother them. But if you continue to remind them, then like, okay, like this guy's, he, he's, he's legit, you know, he, he wants to really help me or, or take time to listen and, and be there for me. Yeah. And so I really think we could get, get rid of a lot of this if we just, you know, took action really within our own stations it doesn't have to come from the top and and be pushed out throughout the the stations and, and the department as a whole but boots on the ground where we are in our stations and with our crews i really think we could handle a lot of this if we were just willing to to make that happen right so there's what's interesting blake that i th- that i think is a challenge for us is the a culture of uh vulnerability right and mm-hmm. a willingness to uh, share with somebody else that you are going through a tough time or that, Hey man, that call, it doesn't appear to have, uh, shook you, but I'm a wreck. Right. And being willing right. to offer that up, it takes a tremendous amount of vulnerability to be able to do that with your crew. And I know we all have a, there's a certain amount of, uh, machismo that we, uh, share one with another for good reason, right? I, I need to be yeah. strong and capable and physical and, and together to do my job. And if I show up and I'm like, hey, man, I can't do my job because my brain is twisted right now, uh, you feel like you're letting your crew down. And and we have a culture in the fire service that that is a, you know, when you show weakness, you're letting down the organization, right? You're not able to mm-hmm. do your job. So there has to be a way for us to balance that somehow, right? And allow right. allow somebody to demonstrate that they uh, they need a five minutes to get their, their brain together before the next call or whatever, right? Or they, they need to be able to yeah. take some time off work or do whatever it is without feeling like Absolutely. they are, um, you know, completely violating the, uh, the oath and covenant that they made with their team, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's really yeah. challenging in certain organizations. Like if you have the same crew every day uh, and, you know, you come to work and you're working with the same folks, you build a bond that is much, much deeper and the trust can be fostered. Right. Absolutely. So, the, the, yeah, the more time you and I spend together, the more I know your family. And when you tell me, hey, man, my kid's sick, I'm like, oh, wow, that must be really hard because I know the dynamics of your household and even your wife's yeah. at work and blah, 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 blah. Right. All these connecting factors. But if you're, just, you know, I, I'm going to use the word transient. If you're a transient employee and you don't have a uh, you're not connected anywhere, then it becomes really challenging because you're not able to establish those deep roots with your with your partners on the fire truck um yeah and that's a problem no doubt. And, and and they feel lost and we've talked with people you know in both of those situations of uh, you know i'm scared to say something because i i'm scared my career is is going to think i'm letting them down or that i'm not capable of doing the job and, right you know, yeah, we've the... talked with those people of man i've been swung out of the station so many times that i mean i really don't even have a home station i don't have anybody to talk to and so we see it from, from, you know, all aspects and yeah, I mean, it, it does make it, you know, a little more difficult, but like you said, if you have a crew that you have built that trust with and they can come to you and say, man, I, yeah, I just need five minutes or I need 10 minutes to go back to my bunk or, you know, to sit down and get my, my, my stuff together. And, yeah. uh, you know, so making sure that that happens, like, Hey man, I'll cover you for the next, you know, however long, just go take care of, you know, whatever it is. If I can do anything for you, then I'm here. Or it's just coming and saying, Hey, 
and I, I think I need a day off, man. I'm not going to be there today. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take a, <clears throat> a mental health day. Uh, because right. really, in, in, in all seriousness, I mean, man, use that sick day. You're not going to take it with you when you leave. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's what uh, it's for, right? That's that's your time to yeah. literally be able to utilize in situations like that. Of and I, I just don't think I can get my stuff together enough today. Yeah. to be effective for my crew and, you know, for the community. And that's okay. I mean, we all have days where we just aren't feeling it, yeah. um, you know, and it's just trying to figure out, um, am I just not feeling it today or is there something more serious going on? And right. we can answer that question. Other people may not necessarily be able to answer that question unless they just know us extremely well and they've been watching us. And, and so, you know, it does come down to attention to detail, like you're saying, you know, with your crew, especially if you spend all your time with them or a majority of your time with them, but just being able to notice little things um, that are different about them that day, uh, you know, and, and I do that with my crew, man. I, I can tell when, when their moods are different, I'll, I'll check on like, Hey, uh, I'm just, just checking in with you, man. Or are you okay today? Either they're more quiet or, Maybe it's because they didn't eat breakfast with us that morning or, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, your crew, the things that they do and, right. and what normal looks like. And if there's anything yeah. outside of that, it's just taking a minute and checking on them. Yeah. And I tell you, man, it means it really does mean the world to them. Even if like, yeah, man, I'm good. And they blow it off. At least they know you that, checked. you know, yep. And hey, you're man, checking with them. That, and, that's a really good point. And I think that the, um, uh, the leadership component of this, and I touch on this a lot on this podcast and a lot in my regular life, this is what I love to talk about, is this idea that uh, regardless of your organizational position, you can take a leadership role. And that, that, that can be, a, this can be an example. Like I am going to be, you know, I'm going to check on the welfare of my, of my boys, you know, and my, yeah. my brothers and my sisters, I'm going to check in on them. And that might be something as simple as, hey, shooting a text message to someone you haven't seen in a while or, you know, in the station, like, hey, guys, I'm making chow today. I love you guys and I'm making yeah. chow for you. Whatever. Right. There's that L word, mm-hmm. the L word and the V word, the vulnerability. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, those two things are important. And so so I want to touch on something. So we I know that like with Next Run, we have, you know, there's a you can text, you can reach out with a 1-800 number. Um but what what can we do prophylactically to protect ourselves, to floss, mentally floss, um, so that we don't get to a point where I got to activate next wrong? Sure. Yeah, and then I would love to not have to be here, obviously. If I can work myself out of the job, then <laughs> I've done, I've done uh, a decent job myself, man. It's, uh, you know, that's a really great question, and I think it really comes down to – the way that we view our mental health um, and just taking care of ourselves. Because again, you know, we, we do so many different things throughout the year for our physical health. We, we have preventative care. We have, you know, all these different things, physicals, we getting checked out, you know, we're, we're working on ourselves. We go to the gym and we work out no matter what type of working out you do. But I mean, those are all things that we do for ourselves throughout um really our, our every, everyday life or every year, you know, there are things that we make sure these are the marks that we need to hit. Your department is doing stuff for you. Hopefully you're doing stuff for yourself. And, uh, but I think it just needs to be viewed the same way of, man, I, I really should have someone that I can confide in. And, 
if it's someone that you work with because you're really close to them, then that's great. If you can trust that person enough, man, by all means, I think we can handle so much and we can uh, prevent so much by just talking and having an open conversation. It's just open dialogue, talking with someone who gets the job just like you do. Um, and, and if you have a person like that, I would encourage you, if you don't have one, to, to find somebody that you can talk to if, you, if you're not feeling right. And they're going to be there for you and they're going to just be willing to listen. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, just really a, a good friend or mentor uh, in some way to be able to either call on the phone or sit down after a shift or just a bad week or whatever it may be and and either grab a beer together or grab you know lunch or coffee or whatever it is that you want to do and just kind of um barf on them for a second and and just say hey this is what i'm going through and then i just i don't know if this is normal i don't know you know if this is going to last for a minute, but I, I just, you know, I want to talk to you about it and just kind of get off my chest and, and yeah. see where it gets me. Yeah. I, I really believe that I could do more good than, than anything is just having one person that you, you can talk to. And if you don't have that person again, man, that that's why we created next strong. And that's why we are here. We want to be that person that you can barf on and we are going to listen to you and there's no judgment there. And, and really, like, I would much rather us be in that situation than someone coming to us and saying, hey, man, I, I, I'm out of options and, and I'm, I'm scared, man. I'm about to take my life because this is where I've gotten myself and, and I don't know what to do. Um, you know, I would much rather have uh, be on the other side of the spectrum. Obviously, we are going to help and we're going to work through and if people give us a chance to help them. Man, I promise that, that we're going to do everything that we can to help them and get them in the right direction and see them through the storm that they're in. But if we can get there before that storm is created, that's absolutely where, where we want to be. And, and again, if, if we don't have to be activated, man, that is absolutely great news. So I really think, yeah. honestly, it comes down to having somebody that you can talk to. And, and even if you feel like you need a counselor, like before things start to get crazy you know maybe it's something that you you do every couple months you just go meet with a counselor and say yeah. hey i'm just here to check in you know I, I haven't had anything crazy going on but i really appreciate having someone to be able to talk to and just kind of bounce things off of i mean that's what they're there for it's the same thing as going to the doctor and getting a checkup hey i just want to make sure that i'm healthy and we can do that with a counselor as well because they, if they see a change in us, then they know you because you've been meeting with them pretty consistently or, they're, you know, they're, you're not a stranger to them and they're going to see the difference in you. It's the same thing with a doctor of, hey, we noticed something looks a little bit different. We're going to do some more tests. Well, hey, we noticed you've been acting a little bit different. Let's talk about that. Right. So, I mean, I just relate it back to the same thing, but also having healthy coping mechanisms. I think are huge as well. And you and I were talking about it earlier, man, uh, working out for me is one of those things that I look forward to every single day, especially on my off days, man. I, I love going to the CrossFit gym. That's, that's my thing. That's where my happy place is. And I'm there for at least two hours. Uh, so I'll go and I'll do the class for one hour and then I'll work on some other stuff for another hour after that. And man, uh, that to me is one of the, the biggest, um, stress relievers that that i've been a part of so it's just yeah, me and i've and, been uh, in the workout and competing against myself and it's fantastic man i, I love that i uh have been going mental the last few months because we kind of put a pause on jujitsu training 
And uh, that for mm-hmm. me has been a, a tremendous outlet the last few years is just this, you going and choking people nearly to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's such awesome. a good, it's such a good release. <laughs> yeah, no, no but the idea, but I love I, the physicality of it. Now, like, I don't push. I've never pushed as hard as I've pushed when I'm when I'm in a death match on the jujitsu mats, right? So, and yeah. and, the, and the camaraderie that comes with that, and that brotherhood, that sisterhood, yeah. is so amazing. And um, and and God, man, I really miss that right now. I'm feeling it, and yeah. so it's uh. Yeah, I can see how important it is to have that uh, that physical outlet. Plus, the other thing is, we talk, I talk about this all the time, is, hey, I go in the gym, and my life is turned off. Like, I am literally yeah. 100% focused. Yeah, 100% focused. My wife, my kids, and I hate to say this out loud, but my wife and my kids are not on my mind when I'm on the jiu-jitsu mats, right? I am not right. thinking about work. I'm not thinking about anything else except for trying to stay alive, you know, when this, you know, mm-hmm. gorilla is trying to choke me out. And that is a, a an interesting form of meditation and focus yeah. and distraction from life. And, uh, it, and it's a real, it's a, you know, there's a petcock on there. It just releases tremendous amount of emotional and physical pressure. So, yeah. um, if anybody's wondering why I've been irritable lately, I think that <laughs> this might explain it. Um, yeah. For, and and I mean that I'm joking, but I mean it for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's important, you know, building that community like that is yeah. part of your community. And 100%. we should all have a community that we are a part of. Um, well, that's one of the things about our Cro- services. Uh, sorry, yeah. I didn't off. that's one of the things about CrossFit that I totally that I enjoy is this idea that people go there for the community. You know, I can there's some parts about it that I would argue about, but I, you know, from a from a physical fitness perspective, but that's a whole different conversation. But the communal aspect of it, like we are in this pit of despair we're going to grind through this hard work together uh yeah that's a big deal and so i think it's important a lot of people miss that they don't have their own tribe you know yeah and 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 the cool part is too is you know what mitch and crossfit in the community they're like once they're done grinding through and they've made it through that terrible time of whatever workout they're going through like man most people stick around they cheer you on right so and I, I relate that back to how, how we're supposed to be because the truth is, is we all have experiences of some sort and we go through them, I believe, for a very specific reason. Yeah. And it's to take what we have learned and be able, able to communicate that back to someone who's going through that currently and to cheer them on and say, hey, I've made it through what you're going through right now. And I'm, I'm telling you that it's possible. It's not going to be easy necessarily, but I promise that, you know, if you just trust me and we can talk about the stuff that we will make it through this together. Right. And that's my biggest thing is, man, I just wish that we could have one conversation with every single person um, before they took their life. But, you know, I mean, yeah. I know it's not possible and I know we'll never be able to do that, but man, we try yeah. to do that with who we can and the people who come to your next rung and trust us with their stories. Man, let me just talk to you for a second. And, and and let's just talk through this. You know, I'm going to try and kind of calm the situation. I know it's not going to make it go away or take it away from you, but let's just calm it down for a second and let's figure out how we can work through this and, yeah. and unravel it just a little bit at a time. But yeah, I mean, it's it's that community that we all desire. I believe we're created that way to desire community and need that to be a part of. So yeah, the healthy hey. community, uh, someone to talk with, and really, man, just a good way 
to kind of get some of that stress out to whatever physical activity that may be for you. Yeah. I think that I'm thinking <clears throat> back, we had a cat, uh, a few years back who, a uh, really neat guy and, um, always laughing, always doing new things and interesting things. And he, out of, it seemed to be out of nowhere and he took his life. And, uh, mm-hmm. it, I remember I wasn't very close with him, but I knew him well enough to, to know that he was kind of a happy, gregarious guy. That was my impression of him. Yeah. And to hear the folks who worked with them talk about how they didn't see this coming. And they, and then there was a couple who were real close to him who had connected and they were like, well, we were talk we had talked about it, but we didn't think it was this, he was at this place. And that's a, that's a really sad and unfortunate thing. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it is hard for us to. Uh, truly empathize sometimes, but man, we have got to be willing to stop. If you see a red flag, if you hear somebody say something slightly off, you've got to stop what you're doing and really listen, really listen to what's going on. And the, and, and the, 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 the loving compassionate thing to do is engage. And you have got to take that. You've got to tell that person, Hey man, we're going to go get help together. Right. And that is the loving thing to do, to just be like, oh, man, you're good. We got this. You're fine. Go home, yeah. chill, you know, just go, whatever. Um, if you're not willing to be vulnerable with that person and uh, help route them a little bit, uh, you're going to have to live with potentially a con- yeah. you know, the conflict of that. That's what's left over after that. And that's, you don't want that either. Yeah. And, and you're right, man. I've heard too many people talk about that. Like, man, I just, I didn't know. And some, some mm. people don't, don't show any signs and symptoms or give you any clues that it's going to happen. Some people are incredibly good at hiding that stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's unfortunate, you know, because you wish you had known or you wish you'd had seen something that, you know, was slightly different. But, you know, it just comes back down to, we claim to be a brotherhood and a sisterhood and, and all these things together. Yeah. It's just, you know, taking the time to actually act like it and quit pretending it and just, man, like just the, the things that you say, man, the things that, that you have the opportunity to do when you're around those people is, is absolutely incredible. We, we get to do some of the, the best job in the world we get to do together. And man, you know, it's just important that we know each other and, that we take time to learn each other and, and really be what we say that we are because everybody wants to call you brother or whatever it may be. But when it comes down to it, they, they don't treat you like a brother. They treat you like an acquaintance or whatever it may be. And they're like, Oh, I mean, I don't even know the, the names of your kids or I don't know, you know, the name of your wife or whatever. I mean, there's so many different things like, man, just be invested in the people around you because you spend so much time with them, especially in the fire service. It, you know, you're with them for, for us. It's every third day. We're all together. We're a family. And it's just being willing to be invested and, and take your impact further than just yourself and, and reaching out to people and, and really making a difference in the people around you. So um, I, I think that's really what it boils down to is being a little more selfless. And I know the job that we do is selfless, but it's being selfless with the people that you work with and just really being there for them and, and letting them know, man, that no matter what's going on, man, I'm here for you. And I, and I mean that. And yeah. the best way to show that you mean that is by continuing to let them know that you're there for them no matter what. Yeah. I, and I would add to that, that I promise <clears throat> you, um, 
and to anybody who's listening to this, I promise you, if you are more engaged and vulnerable and, and get to know more intimately the people who you're working with, you will be better at your job. hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so your ability to serve the mission will be greater and your, and your job satisfaction will be improved. Uh, those are all things that go hand in glove with this. And it's really uh, an important fact. But, hey, I wanted to ask you, this is a dumb question, but I was curious, where did you, because I think there's, it's kind of intuitive, but where did you get the name Next Rung? So when, <clears throat> when I was going through rookie school, um, I really liked the section on ground ladders and knowing a little bit about the fire service and then also into my time in the fire service before I started, I noticed that... Man, for for me, and what I noticed is that ground ladders were one of the most underutilized tools that there were, and it's one of the easiest things that we can put out to help save someone's life. Either you know something for uh, an exit for you know our crews that are inside, you know, so they can get out, or if it's for a victim, or you know, it's just a, a secondary means of egress so we can get out and. And I noticed at times that we would, we were lacking in that of throwing you know ladders to the windows and and really just setting people up for success. So uh, that's really kind of where the idea came from. Of man, like ladders could really save people's lives, and if we just you know threw those out, it would just kind of kind of help out and, and be there to to help people get out of the situation that they are in. So that's where the idea came from. I like and, that. Uh, I like know? that idea. Yeah, hey, man. man, start throwing. Throw ladders, boys. Like, stop. That's it. <laughs> Get in that firehouse and throw a ladder. And the idea is, you know, if you can just, if you can take one step up and grab that next rung and just hang on there, yeah. you know, take a deep breath, and then let's do it again. You know, we can work our way to the top and, um, you know, work our way through the ladder a lot together. I love it. Well, let me ask you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here. As we as we start to wrap up here, what is your? I'm going to ask you two rapid fire questions. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> of course you are. Hey, all right. Favorite, the most favorite thing about being a fireman. Favorite thing about being a fireman, oh, man. I just I, I love the fact that the job is different every single day that we show up. Um, outside of that, man, I just like being able to drink coffee with with people and talk with them and just hang out, man. It's it's, it's the best job. You know, fighting fire is, is incredible, but the people that I've gotten to meet and the, the brotherhood that, that I have formed over the past five years has been, man, just incredible. But the job is different, man. If you ask my wife, I'm not a person who likes to sit still, and, and I like different things, so this is the perfect job for me. I love it. All right. Favorite scripture? Favorite scripture? Oh, probably the one I got here is tattooed on my arm. It's Acts twenty twenty four, um, and so this is Paul. You know, or he, he's he's kind of speaking, and and this. Uh, but I do not count my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish the course in the ministry um, that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, Blake, man, I really appreciate the the work that you're doing, man. It's uh... It is really important that we, as a as a fire service, as a brotherhood, a sisterhood, take care of one another. And this is such a a, a wonderful example of how we can do that for each other. And um, appreciate that you're doing that. I think that it's a, you know 
all of us across the fire service need to be looking for how we can leave it better than we found it. Right. And this is a, a great That's example it. of how we're doing that. And, and, um, and a wonderful service you're providing to folks uh, out there who are, who may have reached a, a point where they need some support. So I really appreciate that. And, um, man, I love that the, the euphemism of, uh, you know, throwing ground ladders, right. Throw me a ladder. Cause I'm going to bail. I got to bail out when I need a secondary means of egress. And I, I really appreciate That's that. It. So if folks want to, um, are interested in supporting next rung, uh, or they just want to go check out the website or, or what have you, where, where are they going to go to find you guys? Yeah, you can get to our website. It's www.nextrung.org. So N-A-X-T-R-U-N-G.org. Um, we have apparel and things like that, man. We have a whole store full of stuff. Uh, I, I love hats and shirts and socks. We, I mean, we've got everything in between as well. So that money goes back to help us continue to you know support our, our mission. And then we have people who partner with us monthly through our Change Lives campaign. And um, it starts at $3 and goes on upward from there. So you can choose, you know, whatever you want to donate to our organization. And we commemorate all of our partnerships with a challenge coin. So that's actually the only way you can get a challenge coin uh, from Next Strong is to partner with us monthly. And, uh, you know, we wanted to make it fun, make it uh, not burdensome. So that's why we started at $3 a month. And, uh, you know, really, man, if we could, you know, just continue to partner with people in that way, that's a huge help. And there are different fundraisers that we do throughout the year as well. I actually just got back from one earlier today. It was at a CrossFit gym here in Georgia, and they donated just a little over $4,500 back to us, which is huge because, man, we just uh, are able to do so much with every single dollar that's donated back. So you can go check it out there, nextrung.org, and all of our social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter all that good stuff. So, you know, know, you can check us out there and see the things that we're doing to keep up with us. Awesome. Right on, brother. Yeah, well, man. hey, man, I appreciate you taking the time and, and sitting down with me and sharing your guys' uh, – sharing your personal story and uh, and sharing a little bit about Next Rung. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on, and thank you for letting us share a little bit. Let me share a little bit about myself. Right on. Hey, that's all we got for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Special thanks to Blake. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit down and rap with me. And thank you for setting up Next Rung and doing things for the benefit and health of our brotherhood and sisterhood out here in the American Fire Service. If you enjoy the Fireground Fitness Podcast, get on over to whatever platform you uh, prefer to listen on, subscribe, and this podcast will drop in the middle of the night when you least expect it. Additionally, get on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast. Your feedback is essential and super helpful to me and helpful to those who are interested in this podcast. Finally, if we learn nothing else from this podcast today, I want you to know one thing that I love and I care about you. And I want you to know that if you are struggling, do not hesitate to reach out. Reach out to me, reach out to Next Rung, reach out to the person sitting in the seat next to you and let them know what you're going through. There is no shame, there is no weakness in sharing the feelings of your heart. Matter of fact, there's a lot to be gained from that. So please do not hesitate. Make the call. All right, brother. All right, sister. Going out there and get some.